listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Big Haitian with My Doorbell, special Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show specialty from Big Haitian. Thank you, Big Haitian. And we have a caller right now on the line. Caller, are you there? Yes. Who are you? Rob Leichner, director of the film Everything Louder Than Everything Else. Hello, Rob. Welcome to the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. Hello. Thank you for having me. And, Rob, you have this movie, Everything Louder Than Everything Else, which makes me think of Motorhead, which makes me think of other rock and roll bands, which makes me also mention, also today on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show, The Vaselines and the Dum Dum Girls. Interviews with The Vaselines and the Dum Dum Girls. And Rob here talking about his brand new movie, Everything Louder Than Everything Else. And, Rob, was it at a Vaseline show that I actually ran into you a couple weeks ago? Yes, it was. How did you enjoy that show? I loved the show. It, I, I like them better now than I liked them 20 years ago, I think. Have you been to many shows at the Biltmore lately? I go to probably about, I don't know, one show a month there at the Biltmore. I love it. And you're seeing the Vaselines, and if you keep hanging on on an Artwater Human Serviette radio show, Rob, you will hear my interview with the Vaselines and the Dum Dum Girls coming up on the Nardwarta Human Serviette radio show. So, Rob, please tell us a little bit about everything louder than everything else. It's not about Motorhead. No, it's not about Motorhead. It is about um, my experiences working in an indie rock recording studio over the last 15 years and my um, experiences with uh, the Vancouver music scene. And uh, it's a comedy, and the main character is a woman, and she runs an indie rock recording studio, and it's about what you know her trials and tribulations of running the studio are. So. It's your love letter to the Vancouver music scene, you said, Rob. Your love letter. Yes, yes my love letter. I love the Vancouver music scene. So much, I had to make a movie about it. And you love the Vancouver music scene so much that you had to debut the movie in Whistler. Well, um, I didn't plan it that way. That's how how life happens. I entered it actually in the um, Vancouver Film Festival, but they didn't accept the film, so it got into Whistler, though. Which is classic, just like the Vancouver music scene. Sometimes you aren't accepted in Vancouver and you have to go elsewhere to get acceptance. Exactly, just like my, my good friends in Black Mountain. That's what happened to them. But we always accepted Black Mountain in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Ex-dead teenager, Steve McBean. Yes, but they were accepted in a lot bigger way once uh, Jag Jaguar um, put their music out. Yes, Jag Jaguar, which is so close to Nard Nard Nardwar. It's so confusing, labels like Jag Jag Jaguar and Secretly Canadian. I always feel that like they're kind of infringing here and there, but I guess if any label could put out Black, Black Mountain, it's great. But actually, wasn't it Scratch that helped kick it all off? It wasn't this Jag Jaguar, it was Scratch, right? It was Scratch, yes, and the way that um, I think Jag Jaguar found out about us, we did a uh, CBC... Um, showcase for the hive studios which is a, a studio i used to be a co-owner in which i'm a co-founder of and they heard this um recording that was done at cbc um at jag jaguar heard it and then they put it out with um keith i guess from scratch he kind of co-release this is their stuff in canada 
because he had done jerk with the bomb previously. He's done jerk with the bomb. He was he was there from he believed in them from the start. Keith Perry believed in in all things Steve McBean from the start. And Steve McBean is in everything louder than everything else. We're speaking to Rob, the director, the producer, the guy behind. Are you the director and the producer of Everything Louder Than Everything Else, Rob? Yeah, is that yes, wrong for me to say that? Like, there was only a two-person crew, me and Mona Mock. Um, we did everything. Sound, video, production, editing, everything. Just two of us. And specifically, for the Whistler Film Fest, where is it playing, if people are listening and want to check it out in Whistler? Where is it playing and when in Whistler? Okay, so it's playing Thursday, December 2nd at 9.15 p.m. at the Village 8 Cinemas. And this is a part of the Whistler Film Fest. Do you know who you're billed with? We're billed with, um, there's a, a short film by a gentleman named John Bolton. I'm not, I can't remember what the short film's called, but um, there's a short film before us. Rob, for everything louder than everything else, the movie, who are the actors in it? And how would Vancouver music fans know them? We mentioned Steve McBean. What about the other actors? Okay, the other actors, um, one of my favorite bands is Chet uh, from Victoria, and Ryan Beatty is one of the actors in there. And uh, I just, well, they're one of my favorite bands, and it's kind of my mission to get more people to know about them. So I wanted to put their music in there and put him in there. That's one, one of the actors. Another one is a guy named Dan Moxon from Ben Sinister and Small Fame. He plays uh, the love interest of um, Sylvie, the main character. Some of the other people, those are the most well-known ones, I guess. The rest are just my friends, basically. And what does Ryan play, and how does it differ from real-life Ryan? Well, Ryan um, plays uh, the front man of this band, unnamed band, which is actually Chet. And he plays uh, someone who was a former love interest of Sylvie, the main character in the band. And he differs from his real-life... Um, I guess he's not as... Uh, he's more friendly and outgoing. He kind of seems like a... Kind of a, you know, almost like a jaded musician in this, but he's not like that. He's a lot nicer in real life. So it is the Hive Studios that it's filmed at? Is it at the Hive? Is that where it's filmed then? Yeah, it's it's filmed at the Hive Studios, but in the, in the film we call it Pop Filter Studios. To, uh, just we want it to be sort of this fictitious world that lives sort of in parallel to our, our real world. For the movie, why didn't you call it Hive Studios? Like, it could be a good infomercial for the Hive, if you well, called it the Hive. I'm not the only, at the time, I wasn't the only owner of the studio, and I have two partners in the studio, and they suggested, because they didn't know how well the film was going to turn out, they didn't know what, what type of a director I would be, because it's my first film, so they said, we would, we'd rather you call it something else, you know, uh, too close to home. And uh, so, you know, I gave them that because they were allowing me to film in there. So that was one concession I made for them. And for people that don't know, what is the Hive Studio? Who are some of the bands of recorder? You mentioned Black Mountain. But can you give a bit of a background on the Hive Studio and what it looks like? And does it have candy machines in it? Oh, very good. Okay, so the Hive Studio started in 1996 as a basement studio of me and um, Colin Stewart and Jim Rotier. Those, we were the three people that started it. And then it has since moved into a 3,000-square-foot industrial complex uh, that records like these world-class indie bands all the time. One of our first bands that got notoriety was a band called The Ids back in the, in the 90s. And they got signed to Network Records, and they were the, the lowest-selling album ever on Network Records, which we're very proud of. And then after that, we recorded The Beans, um, another band great band that uh, Ty Runyon, who is a, a 
a, an actor now, and he's also in the awkward stage. Um, that's another band we recorded, Piano, and Nick Kirkovich's several of his projects he recorded there. He's also in No Kids and Gigi, an, a fabulous 60s girl group inspired band. Um, and then uh, Chet has recorded there, um, a, a wonderful band from San Francisco called Sleepy Sun, um, the Cave Singers, Destroyer recorded there. I actually recorded part of the, the album This Night. There's a song off of there called uh, Trembling Peacock. I recorded every instrument on that um, that song. And, and so I mean, the list sort of goes on, but that's the, the, my highlights anyways. Who wrote the script for the movie? Was that you, Rob? Did you write the script for everything louder than everything else? And can you explain to the people how much was improvised, how much was scripted, and how did you actually shoot it? So you have a studio, The Hive, and you're shooting this movie. How did that work out? Okay, well, it's a very unconventional way of doing it. It's the, all the dialogue is improvised. I just wrote the story and gave parameters for the actors um, to, to go on. And I, I, that I'm told Larry David does this quite the same for Curb Your Enthusiasm. He has a, you know, basically a paragraph and some parameters people have to go into, and then they, they improvise. And so that's how I did it. It took us 14 months to shoot it because the only time I could get into the studio was between 8 a.m. and noon. Um, and so we had to spread it out, you know, weekends, different times 14 months in total it took us to shoot it and we shot on uh, cheap uh, hd cameras these 800 dollar cameras two cameras and um you know seat of the pants you know like the music you know i'm almost maybe like a you say a guided by voices album would be recorded you know we kind of did it like that so and that's kind of how our process was. What know? was the history of the soundboard at the hive studios because there's a lot of shots at the soundboard what's the history of that particular board Okay, at one point, um, I had heard that um, it had recorded, uh, Van Morrison has been recorded on there, The Village People. Um, these are two bands that I heard. It, it's an old MCI board from uh, the 70s. Uh, I think it was in L.A. or San Francisco. I don't know all the stories about it, but, I mean, I've heard Van Morrison um, and, and The Village People, at least, have recorded through that board. And we're speaking here to Rob from Everything Louder Than Everything Else, which is debuting next Thursday night at the Whistler Film Fest in Whistler, British Columbia, Canada. A brand new movie, a love letter, Rob's love letter to the Vancouver music scene. Back to the hive, the studio in the movie. The toilet looks incredible. There's a scene there of the toilet getting cleaned. Did you buy a new toilet for the movie? No, we didn't. Uh, we actually had the, one of the interns actually clean the toilet before that scene just so that it would uh, be acceptable to, to um, the viewers. It looks so, really clean. Like, it looks like a brand-new toilet. Yeah, it's, it's not what you would call a July 4th toilet. It's a, it's a, it's a very clean toilet. <laughs> bah, boom. And how about the junk food machines? There were quite a few junk food machines I noticed in the hive. What's that like? Well, um, we, you know, it's a very isolated area. It's in the industrial park in uh, Burnaby. So people, you know, can't get to uh, places to have food. So we had some people bring in some vending machines because there's a lot of late night sessions, long sessions, and people need to, you know, have their, you know, sustenance. So that's, that's why they're, they're there. So you have a stranglehold on them then? Yeah, exactly. A monopoly. Yeah, they can't go anywhere. There's, you know. Looking at the movie closely, everything louder than everything else, the timing of the movie, you mentioned Bear and Victoria within the first two seconds. There's a lot of Victoria happening, isn't there? Bear and Victoria is mentioned within two seconds. 
Yes. Well, the uh, Victoria is is probably one of the greatest uh, uh, birthplace of music in uh, Canada. I mean, a lot of I'm actually thinking of doing a, a documentary on the Victoria music scene someday because uh, Montreal would not exist without Victoria, I believe. You yeah. should read that book, All Your Ears Can Hear, right? You could probably base it on that. You've seen that, right? No, I actually haven't. Jason Flower did an amazing book called All Your Ears Can Hear, and it's a book slash CD of the greatest bands to come out of Victoria from the past 30 years. Amazing. I'll have to talk to him if we can uh, buy the rights to it somehow. All Your Ears Can Hear. It's actually not like a book as in sort of like a book with a narrative. It's just like a book. It's sort of like a giant CD book, but it's really nice and glossy. But it's All Your Ears Can Hear, and they have a website too. And it's named after an infamous scientist song called CKDA that they called CKDA when they played live, but they couldn't say CKDA on the record because if they did, they thought they'd be sued. So they called the name of the song All Your Ears Can Hear, and it was a critique of the radio station CKDA. And we're speaking here live to Rob from Everything Louder Than Everything Else, a brand new movie. Looking more at the movie, you didn't have a fuck come in there until 27 minutes in. It took you 27 minutes to go to fuck. Oh, really? I mean, that, I, I tried to get it in sooner, but uh, just the story wouldn't allow it, I guess. Uh. Actually, you know, from my notes here, maybe it was seven minutes in that fuck came in. Well, um, yeah, I didn't... I, I, it's actually a pretty tame movie. Like, there, I don't think there's any kissing in it or any embracing uh, and very, very few bits of profanity. So, um, yeah, I didn't realize that until maybe you mentioned it now. So it's, that's weird. I was excited that at 17 minutes, Captain Beefheart comes up. At 17 minutes, Rob. Yes, the discussion uh, about Captain Beefheart, yeah. And we have a caller. Caller, are you there? Radio. Hello, yes, hello. Caller, go ahead. Radio. Caller, go ahead to Rob. Red Hyde, Victoria, B.C., British Columbia, Canada, do-do-do-do-do. Caller, doot-doot-loot-doo? Doot-doot. Well, the caller, I think, was having a little allusion there to the fantastic hardcore punk band Red Tide from Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, featuring Ken Jensen, Rest in Peace, on drums. So Victoria does get people excited. So you should definitely get into that documentary there, Rob. Okay, yes. And if anybody has any other questions for Rob, it's 604 822 2487-604-UBC-CITR. Rob is the director of Everything Louder Than Everything Else. Around 26 minutes, you mentioned Whitesnake. It was only 26 minutes before Whitesnake comes up. Yes, um, Whitesnake's a guilty pleasure. A lot of uh, us, uh, you know, died in the wool indie rockers, you know. Um, yeah, I, I've always loved Whitesnake, and I thought we should have some type of shout-out to them. So when Whitesnake gets mentioned, you said you'd kind of just had a general script. There was nothing really scripted. Was that the actors coming up with that? That one was actually, yeah, that was Ryan Matthews, the actor, coming up with that. But I told him to, you know, come up with a couple, juxtapose two different bands that are very different, you know, and try to have her create that in, in the recording so he you know bell and sebastian and um white snake were two that are kind of opposing forces and he he mentioned them he, that's what he wants his band to sound like and in around 39 minutes there was an allusion to south by southwest oh yes going on tour to south by southwest and drinking beer yes 
Um, Although I've you don't mention there. South yeah. by Southwest, though. You didn't mention South by Southwest. We didn't mention it? No, I think you just say Austin. Oh, okay, that's what it is. Yeah, okay. So, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's hard to um, remember everything in the film. And in around 45 minutes into Everything Louder Than Everything Else, and we're speaking to Rob from Everything Louder Than Everything Else, not about Motorhead, but about the Vancouver music scene playing next Thursday in Whistler at the Whistler Film Festival. At 45 minutes, a Mr. Bungle joke. Mr. Bungle. Yes, Mr. Bungle is... Um, that The actor came up with that, but um, they, I laughed so hard I could hardly hold the camera when he was saying that because... Um, the Mr. Bungle is funny. It's funny to hear. These are the great things that make up everything louder than everything else. Baron Victoria, Captain Beefheart, White Snake, South by Southwest, Mr. Bungle, and around 69 minutes, you cue it. You cue it gets in there. You cue it at 69 minutes. What a coincidence. Well, and. Yes. And then, probably at 69 and a half minutes, I was anticipating the arrival of Steve McBean, and he showed up, and he is from Vancouver Island. Yes, he is, yeah. The movie Everything Louder Than Everything Else, Rob, also gave me a lot of interesting information for myself about recording history, like that Bowie story. What can you tell the people about that Bowie story that's revealed in the movie? Well, that Bowie story is a famous story that you know, recording engineers love to talk about. I mean, everyone has, you know, uh, a story about what they, you know, love about recording. And this, this Bowie story is um, uh, Tony Visconti recorded Bowie. And, and it was just, you know, it's sort of a kind of technical mumbo jumbo, but it's just something that I'd heard several times about people talking about, you know, Mike Placeman and how the song uh, Heroes was recorded. And I just thought it was a great story to put in the movie, and so we put it in. And there's also a joke about liner notes. I love that there's a liner notes joke. That's awesome. What can you tell the people about that, Rob, director of Everything Louder Than Everything Else? A liner notes joke. Well, in the, in the movie, one of the uh, characters named Lance says, you can't thank your parents in the liner notes. So, I mean, you know, whenever people are, you know, recording albums, you know, you know, some people put a lot of effort into their liner notes, and I was just kind of want to have a stab at those people, you know, that, you know, go through the packaging and the liner notes even before they have anything recorded. So that was a joke about that type of thing. Have you heard over the years bands discussing this before stuff is recorded? Yeah, I have. You know, they haven't, they're not even done the first song, and they're already worried about the artwork and the liner notes. So I thought that was a stab at, at people that, that do that, you know, buying the helmet before they buy the motorcycle, basically. Rob, yeah. are you still involved with the Hive at all? Well, in April, I was bought out by my partner, Colin Stewart, um, and because I wanted to basically focus on filmmaking. Um, so up until April this year, I was an owner still, but now I've been bought out, and I'm pursuing my film, you know, aspirations here. Rob, in Everything Louder Than Everything Else, Randall, one of the characters, I think that was his name, is yeah. testing the intern with some music. Like, And the intern says something like, well, maybe we should turn on the piano. What music was getting tested? Was that Novalero? It sounded like Mint Records recording artist Novalero. It's actually um, Jesse Gander's band Ghost House. Um, he's one of the engineers at the studio, they're called, and they're called Ghost House. Oh, okay. Not plus perfect then. No, I was I was told that was Je Jesse Gander's band there, who who was one of the engineers at the studio. He gave us that um, to use for the characters in your movie. Sylvie, who plays Sylvie? She does a great job. Sylvie is played by uh, Joanna Garfinkel. 
and she is um, actually a theater director. She doesn't do much acting. She directs theater, but uh, she used to be a radio programmer in Austin, Texas, so she knew a lot about music. And she lives here now? She lives here now. She's my next-door neighbor, actually. Because she did a fantastic job, and the intern did a fantastic job, too. Like, they were so relaxed in the studio, it made me almost want to go into the studio and book time with them. Well, you can. You should. I mean, you have, you've never recorded at the Hive, have you, Nardwar? No. Can you have Sylvia and the intern there? Is she doing any work there? Well, if you, if you book time, we'd have them there to, to help record your album. I'm sure we could arrange it. How closely did you make the movie accurate? Okay, well, the, the feeling and uh, the emotions are accurate, but a lot of the um, technical details are, have been uh, changed. Like, no one really interviews people before they um, record, like, in there. But, you know, we had to sort of uh, take a, you know, we had to show things that maybe didn't possibly happen and to be more dramatic took some dramatic license in that way. So. But for specific things, I think you were pretty accurate because I saw that you had like this PowerPoint presentation for one of the characters, Blake Singer, and you give his MySpace, and I went to his MySpace, and he really does have two friends. Yes, um, I created a, um, a MySpace for Blake Singer. So um, if anybody is watching the movie and they went to it, yeah. It's really right there. That was during a PowerPoint presentation. And that was also where there was a plot twist in the movie, wasn't there, at that point, wouldn't you say? It, uh, it, yes, there was, yeah. It turned into a fantasy movie. <laughs> a fantasy movie, really? Yes, it turned into a fantasy because you have a character talking about making money in indie rock. That's when it turns into a fantasy movie, right? Yes, that is a fantasy. It, uh, that does not happen. In, in the real world. Who was, make money. who was the journalist interviewing Sylvie? Okay, the journalist, her name is uh, Allison Murray. And what and, was she interviewing Sylvie for? What magazine was that in the movie? Well, it was supposed to be a Discorder-like magazine uh, that she was interviewing them for. So you didn't uh, say Discorder because I thought I saw a tape op in the movie. Did you have any tape op magazines in the movie? We had tape op magazines in the movie, yes. Uh, but uh, they were not. That wasn't the magazine she was interviewing for. But to make it realistic, we had to have tape up magazines in there to make it seem like a real indie rock recording studio. But you didn't want to give the name of the magazine out when she was doing the interview. No, I think we came up with the name, but we never used it. But it was going to be. We wanted to be a Discorder-like magazine, like that type of magazine. You know. And we have another caller. Caller, are you there? Caller, go ahead to Rob from Everything Louder, from Everything Else, from Rob. Do you have any stories about Einstein, the Neubauten, or Deglo abortions, or Jay Bentley from Bad Religion, who is from Victoria? I don't have any stories about any of those people. I haven't uh, uh, had any um, stories about them. Um, the only person... What yeah, no connection to those people, sorry. What about industrial bands? No industrial bands? Did you record any industrial bands? I haven't myself recorded any industrial bands in, the, in that uh, studio. Caller, any other questions? Caller? Do, 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 do. Caller? Caller? 
Oh, well, thank you so much, Rob, for phoning into the Nardwari Human Serviette Radio Show. Everything louder than everything else is your movie. The ending of the movie, I couldn't quite figure it out. I don't want to give it away, spoiler, but was it a happy ending? I, I believe it is a happy ending. That's left for interpretation, left up for interpretation to the viewer, but I think it's a happy ending. For putting together the movie, you mentioned the camera earlier. How about the technique? I, you don't have much music underneath the dialogue. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, when I um, originally started making it, I thought, you know what? These scenes, eventually, maybe I'll put music underneath it. But when I edited it, I said, you know what? These scenes uh, stand on their own. I don't want to undercut it with music. You know, they work well, and we already have enough music of bands performing in there. I thought I would, you know, they work well without music. And you did all the editing yourself? Yeah, I did all the editing myself. I did 95% of it, and Mona uh, did some editing, but I did most of the editing myself. Are you going to cut any videos from the movie at all? For instance, the Steve McBean tune, is that going to appear anywhere? I think someday we'll have that come on as a video. I have no current plans for it, but uh, it's actually pretty well rock video thrown right in the movie there, so we'll have to have it come out sometime on its own. What was the reaction from everybody that participated in a movie? I guess they just thought they were doing something that maybe never, ever would come out, and now you put it together as part of a fantastic movie. What's their reaction been? Well, while we were making it, they didn't think anything of it, but then when I started showing them clips, they saw how how well it was turning out, and now everyone's over the moon. They love it. they're very excited about it. Uh, they're glad to be a part of it. Um, yeah, it's been really good response, you know. And hopefully people will be into it, touch wood, at the Whistler Film Fest, and you'll find a distributor. What are the future plans for it? Well, the future plans for it are I would like to see it come out, you know, on DVD, maybe play a few other theaters, play the Rio Theater here in Vancouver, um, play in New York somewhere, you know, in, in Austin, Texas. I, I've submitted it to the South by Southwest Film Festival. Hopefully it gets in there. So we'll see. You'll have to insert the word South by Southwest into the dialogue for the movie. Maybe that will help get into South by Southwest then. Yeah, well, audio dub it like a, a, a Hong Kong, uh, uh, you know, like karate movie or something like that, you know, or a kung fu movie. Exactly. So, Rob, lastly here, where can people find more information or see the trailer for Everything Louder Than Everything Else? Okay, so you can go to, um, well, we have a Facebook page, but also um, louderthaneverything.com. So, www.louderthaneverything.com. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? I just want to add that this is um, very exciting to be interviewed by one of my favorite people, Nardwar, who's always been a great supporter of the Vancouver uh, music scene. And um, I'm a, I was glad I got to be interviewed by you because, you know, myself, I'm trying to promote it, and you're doing a great job of promoting this Vancouver music scene as well. Well, thank you for the kind words, Rob. Thank you for capturing the Vancouver music scene. It captures it really great, everything louder than everything else. And I love that you kind of captured it in a fictitious way, too. That's awesome as well, because there's some right and there's some wrong, and you put it all together and you got everything louder than everything else. Well, thanks so much, Rob. Keep on rocking in the free world and doot-doot-a-loot-doo. Doot-doot. All right, see ya. Okay, see ya. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar de Human Serviette Radio Show. Coming up, interviews with the Dum Dum Girls and 
the Vaselines. Right now, here is a selection from Girls and the Garage. Girls in the Garage. It's Caro, Caro, from Quebec, 1971. And then, right after that, an interview with the Dumb Dumb Girls. So this is Car. Oh, on the Nardwarda Human Serviette radio show from the compilation series, Girls in the Gay Rage. <clears throat> Sorry. You know what? Maybe, just maybe, that's a sign that we should play something else instead of Caro, Caro, from Girls in the Garage 1971. We will play first some Gigi Allen, who the Dum Dum Girls cover their song, You Hate Me and I Hate You. Then we will have some Caro and then some Dum Dum Girls and then the Vaselines on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. Oh, you know what? That was like another sign to me that, no, you can't play Gigi right now. Let's go back to Caro. This is Caro, Carol, on an Ardoir, the human serviette radio show. Oh, my, that's another sign that you shouldn't actually have any of that at all on there on an Ardoir, the human serviette radio show. So let's go back to, no, let's, you know what? It should be Gigi Allen. I think we should have Gigi Allen right here. Gigi Allen and then Caro. Sorry, it's just, this, you know, the vibes here aren't right for some of the stuff. Gigi Allen and then Caro. Say fuck you. Uh. Uh. Je m'en vais vivre comme dans un livre dans le ventre d'une 
énorme baleine Je vais descendre pour me détendre Dans le ventre d'une énorme baleine Si tu le veux, viens avec moi you? Dee Dee from Dum Dum Girls. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Dee Dee. <laughs> Thank you. Dee Dee, how has your quest for Danzig been going? Um, I haven't pursued it too seriously, but I did um, record a cover of a Misfit song, so I'm hoping maybe he'll hear it. Now, do you know Melissa Oftemauer from the band Hole and Solo Career Auction? I don't know her personally, no. But on her brand new CD, she does a duet with... Danzig? Yes, with Danzig. <laughs> That's lucky. And I asked her, how did you hook up with Danzig? And you know what she said? No. She just wrote him an old-fashioned letter. Handwritten. Yeah. So what about yourself? What's the closest you've got to Danzig? Do you think you'll write a letter? How are you going to get to Danzig? <laughs> well, um, I'll probably write a letter. It sounds like that's his... That's the angle to take. I mean, do you know anybody that knows him or anything like that? No. I mean, um... I think every single one of my friends loves him, but doesn't know him personally. So maybe the letters are going to come in handy. 
Yeah, probably. By the way, I heard he was amazing in the studio with Melissa. Melissa told me that, said he was amazing. <laughs> That'd be, uh, it'd be upsetting if it was a bad experience, I guess. Like it wasn't one of those ones where you like, you know, mail the track and then he mails back the vocals. She was there watching him lay it down. What would that be like, Dee Dee? Is that coming true? Is that some fantasy coming true for you? Am I wrong to bring up Danzig right off the bat? Oh, um, he's one of my favorites, definitely. Um, I mean, I have a list of people I'd, I'd love to duet with, and he's on it. So it, it would be nice to do it in that sort of, you know, old school way of actually doing it in person in a studio. Dee Dee of the Dum Dum Girls, I have a quote for you. Okay. Here it is. Quote, everything I have fits in a trunk. I do not record for popularity. I do it for myself only because it's my life. That's a great quote. Now, who might have said that? I don't know. I mean, it, it sounds like something I might say. <laughs> I have a gift for you from the person that said that. Gigi Allen. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Thank you. What can you tell the people about Gigi Allen and Dee Dee and the Dum Dum Girls? And don't you just love not for sale to persons under 18 years of age? Yeah, that's great. And I'm giving it to you. Wow, thank you. That's a, I wish we had a record player in our van, but we only have a uh, DVD player. We could always melt it for an ashtray. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll take it home. Thank you. Yeah, what is the connection? Dum Dum Girls, Gigi Allen. What can you tell the people about that? Um, I mean, I, one of my favorite things to do when I have a lot of time on my hands is to cover songs that I love. So that was why I covered um, that particular Jabber song. Um, you know, to me, that was maybe one of the more obvious songs that could translate to, you know, a, a poppier harmony heavy girl group version of it so well now that i've given you this record what do you think about sleeping in my piss as a possible cover for the dum dum girls <laughs> I, I tried to keep the the cover we did you know a little a little earlier <laughs> on in terms of the song titles maybe would that be a fantasy for dum dum girls fans sleeping in my piss uh, maybe we would do uh, i want to kill you or the way you're censoring the album songs. Last in line for the gang bang. <laughs> you love the covers, don't you, Dee Dee? I love covers. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I love music, and so I definitely spend a lot of time writing my own, but I listen to a lot of music, and probably once a day I have some, you know, stupid idea like, oh, shoot, we should totally cover this song because it's you know the most perfect song and sometimes that's a good idea sometimes it's a bad idea but it's always fun to try it one of the great songs that you do is the rolling stones a brian jones era rolling stones yeah, <laughs> yeah my uh my preference for rolling stones era um play with fire yeah we'll play that tonight um we love playing that song yeah now, Brian Jones didn't write that song. However, he wore very nice pants when that song was performed. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think the music that happened while he was affiliated with the band is a little more in tune with, with me. Do you love the Brian Jones pants? Do you know what I'm talking about? He had the best pants. He had good overall style, I thought. Like those striped pants. And it made me think, where did you get your tights, your pants? You're not wearing them now, Raoul, but those, those, those pants. Yeah, um, I picked them up at a store in New York. Um, and I wore them at our first show. And I saw some pictures from the first show. And they 
had such a, you know, they were captured so well. What are they for people that haven't seen them? Could you please describe them? Brian Jones tights? <laughs> yeah, something like that. They're just vertically striped nylons. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where they came from. I, I recently found a photo of like a flapper era woman wearing a pair. So that was kind of strange. Um, but I own many pairs of them. Because I was wondering about that there's competition in the band now. Are the rest of the bandmates getting on those sort of Brian Jones pants thing? I thought I saw some photos of some vaguely Brian Jones pants with the rest of the bandmates. Uh, they all have their own versions. Dee Dee, you are connected. The Dum Dum Girls are connected to Tom Hanks. <laughs> Pray tell. How? <laughs> well, Tom Hanks was in the movie Bachelor. Okay. Bachelor Party. Okay. And the band The Flesh Tones were on the soundtrack of Bachelor Party. And if we turn the record over, who do we see that produced The Flesh Tones? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Richard. Richard Gott. Goderer. Goderer. What can you tell the people? Well, Richard Goderer, did he talk about the Bachelor Party soundtrack with The Flesh Tones? This is an amazing song, American Beat, 84. He, I... Hanging out with him is unbelievable. He has like an endless amount of stories. We haven't even approached this era yet. Um, the Flesh Tones, you gotta get into the Flesh Tones. Yeah, the, the last time I saw him, the first time I saw him, we talked exclusively about the Strange Loves, uh, which he was in. So that, that was uh, the interesting angle there. Um, the last time I spent significant time with him was in Paris at his 70th birthday party and Seymour Stein was there so we talked a lot. About the Von Bondies? <laughs> no, about Sire Records. <laughs> Seymour signed the? He did, yeah, he did, did he? he got to record on a yacht. <laughs> That's amazing. Have you visited that yacht, Jerry Harrison's yacht? No, no. What are the demands for Dee Dee for the next album for recording with Richard if you do that again? Is it going to be on a yacht or a houseboat? <laughs> no, probably not. I, um, I'm trying to find a studio in San Francisco or New York, I think. Well, I think Jerry Harrison's uh, yacht is floating there, his studio, his houseboat from the Talking Heads. He's the guy that did the Von Bondies, Seymour Stein. <laughs> I don't think I want to be on the water for this record. Let me land locked. Dee Dee, with all your touring, I think it's amazing that you played with the band Girls. Yeah, that was... Because um, Dumb Dumb Girls with... Girls, yeah. That was a great tour. Um, we had we had a lot of fun. We all became pretty good friends, and uh, it was a small enough tour that the venues weren't too big for us, and, you know, the crowd wasn't terribly disinterested in what we were doing, and... Um, How about gigs with other girls' bands? Like I was saying, you played with girls, dumb, dumb girls, and the girls. Have you done that whole girls thing? What's the biggest girls lineup that you've played with? Um, I mean, we've... We have, my concern is typically more playing with people we know whose bands that I like. So sometimes that means there's girls in it, sometimes not. Uh, well, I guess I meant with name girls. It doesn't have to be girls in the band. You know what I mean? Just like girls, right? There's that little girls from Toronto, you know, all the different girls, right? Yes, um, we play with a band called Girls at Dawn pretty frequently out of New York. Speaking of girls, Dee Dee, of the... Dum Dum Girls. Dum Dum Girls. Have many girls with brown hair been coming to your gigs? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't. Little brown-haired girls. <laughs> um, Frankie has not been at any of our recent shows, but we're playing with her in uh, New York in a couple weeks. Yes, that was a Frankie Rose illusion. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, I got it. <laughs> ah, ba-boom. And she, Dee Dee, she loves the covers too, doesn't she? Like, she covered Arthur Russell. Yeah, definitely. We, uh, we, we've listened to a lot of music together. We're both huge music lovers and not necessarily what um, you would think the obvious choices are. So I really love her cover of, of that song. And I was thinking, perhaps you need some more covers added to your repertoire. So I brought along another gift for you, Dee Dee, and I hope you don't have this one. The Girls and Garage Volume 11. I do not have any of these on vinyl. My husband lost the ones we did have, so that is awesome. I have it. I, well, I don't have this volume. I have the first volume on my iPod. So I have a... I actually have saved on my laptop a website that breaks down every single track from every single version lp versus cd so if i'm ever in the mood to listen to any of them i can just go find all the songs on youtube so it's a really handy poorly designed website but um have you tried any covers from girls in the garage like what covers have you done like i mentioned the stones and Gigi. yeah i haven't done any covers of these I feel like it might be a little a little much but I'm definitely you know inspired sonically like I have a lot of references from these songs like there's a new song on our EP that's coming out in the spring that you know I was obsessed with um, do you know the models cover of bend me shape me that like really gnarly guitar sound yeah and so that was like a big reference point for one of our songs so it you know it's it's maybe more so in that sense although there are tons of songs that would be great to cover I think I'm gonna do some some French pop next so that's my next uh, cover choice Dee Dee, hanging out in San Diego, have you ever come across the Loons, Mike Stack's band, the Loons, a great garage band from San Diego. They play the Casbah a lot. I don't know the Loons. I don't, um, I haven't been in San Diego for quite a while, um, so I haven't seen the Loons, no. What about Tim from the Casbah? Can you tell anything about Tim from the Casbah, the amazing booker, or is he still booking at the Casbah? Yeah, he's great. He's uh, one of the best promoters, I would say in San Diego and the Casbah is a great, definitely a great club to play and um, he's been very supportive to me and my friends over many years and and as far as I know too he's the kind of person who he's been doing this forever you know started doing punk shows when he was a kid like at um, like rec halls and stuff and and he just to this day he'll still book you know, bands that are now huge, he'll promote them in bigger venues just because he, you know, worked with them at some point when they were smaller playing the Casbah, and they want to keep working with him because he's so good. It's a neat club, isn't it? The way, like, the airplanes fly over your head so close. Have you been scared by that ever? <sighs> Probably the first time I went there, yeah. It's, uh, it's a cool place to see, to see a show, definitely. I saw the, the last sh show I saw there was maybe last year when the Zeros played, and it was amazing. Have you guys played any scooter runs or any mods come out to see the Dum Dum Girls? <laughs> um, not that I know of here. We have a lot of mod friends in London and, and Leeds and Sheffield, so we get those kids to our UK shows, I'd say, more often than here. And you were here in Vancouver, British Columbia, 
Canada. Canada. And what's interesting is there's some more dum-dum connections to Canada, or I have a couple dum-dum connections to Canada. Okay. A lot of dum-dums in Canada. Check this out. This right here is a band called Dum-Dum TV. And this is another gift for you. I don't know Dum-Dum TV. And now, how does this connect to Vancouver, connect to Dum-Dum Girls? Well, Dum-Dum TV are from Japan. Okay, I was, I was getting there with that. But they were released on a Vancouver record label, Traction. Oh, okay. So that's why I'm connecting Dum Dum TV to the Dum Dum Girls. Perfect. I, I will I will check it out as soon as I am home to my record player. Are you up with all the other different Dum Dums and Yum Yums? Um, I know, you know, there's apparently there was a Norwegian hair band called Dum Dum Boys. It's obviously an Iggy Pop reference. Um, the Talk Talk song obviously is great. Um, but, I mean, ultimately... There's also yum-yums. I want to show you a few yum-yums. Well, one yum-yum in particular. Yum-yum tree. <laughs> and yum, and that, oh, right up your ass, totally. <laughs> right up your ass, right in the Gigi Allen sort of theme. And if we turn it over, a few girls in the band too. Uh-huh. They were great from New York, mid-90s. They played ABC No Rio, that punk venue in New York, quite a bit. I will gladly check them out. And this is yum-yum tree. No, they played ABC No Rio, and it's kind of like The Smell in Los Angeles. And you went from, I think, playing The Smell to playing, like, Radio City with MGMT. That's one hell of a change, isn't it? What was that like? <laughs> um, it's... It's weird. We... So you're, like, the only band in the world, you think, that went from The Smell to Radio City in one year? No, I mean, it, it just depends. I mean, you... It was amazing to play in such a historic beautiful theater but i mean i'll be honest there were you know maybe a fifth of the capacity there by the time we played and i don't know if any of them liked us so <laughs> you know i'd i'd take playing a small club with people that are obviously enjoying the music over a big, historic, empty, board club any day <laughs> what about in vancouver you played malcolm bowl with vampire weekend Yes, um, that was another one of those, I have no idea how this is going, <laughs> you know, like we, we can only do our thing and uh, I don't know, it, it depends, like we, we're really excited about this tour because it makes a lot of sense, I think for, for us, you know, we're huge fans of them, I essentially named the band after them and... Them being the Vaselines. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, you know, the two shows we've had so far have been really, really great. You know, the rooms aren't overwhelmingly big. The crowd's really excited. I mean, it's kind of historic for all these people to be seeing the Vaselines, a lot of them for the first time. Like, myself saw them for the first time at the San Francisco show. We played with them, and it's been going, it's been going well, and it's been fun. It can, can be overwhelming to be just supporting a band where there seems to be a huge divide between what you're doing and what they're doing, and it's reflected in the reception. You got to toot the horn on Molly's lips, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> the most important horn. <laughs> the entire night. How did you do tooting the horn? Um, I did okay. I, I think I maybe am the only person that knows exactly where it happens, and so I was trying to coach everyone. <laughs> they were using it uh, more freely. <laughs> Winding up your DD of the Dum Dum girls. Back to Vancouver. Malcolm Bowl is like a miniature of Hollywood Bowl. 
I didn't know that. So that's kind of neat. That's like a neat place to play. And you took lots of photos there, too. Like all the graffiti that was there. It was beautiful, yeah. You've been to a few other outdoor venues in Canada, too, like your old band, Grand Old Party. Didn't you play Pemberton with Jay-Z? Pemberton. The Pemberton Music Festival, big outdoor music festival. Yeah, that was beautiful. Jay-Z and Dee Dee, what was that like? Did you get to meet Jay-Z at all? I did not meet Jay-Z. I saw the back of Trent Reznor. That was kind of the closest I got to anything. Lastly here, Dee Dee, I'm going to refer back here to the Yum Yum Tree. Okay. They have a song, and I'm interested in your take on this, that has the lyrics, Rather wear a Birkenstock than suck the dick of indie rock. <laughs> oh, that's amusing, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yeah, what do you think about that, fitting into the indie rock thing? I, you know, I think it's probably most important to just do what it is you want to do. And you can't really care what other people are thinking of that. And, and that's, that's how I operate. And, I mean, I don't know what Yum Yum Tree would say about me, you know, if they were to draw conclusions on paper. But I, I think that I have... You're not afraid to wear a Birkenstock. I think they're saying, hey, we can wear a Birkenstock. I, I mean, I think, yeah, truthfully, you just, you just do, do what you do. And that's all you need to worry about. Dee Dee, what about death metal? Are you still into death metal? Zoo music, death metal. <laughs> Zoo music is a Nick Cave reference. Um, uh, I've never been into death metal. On your MySpace profile, it says death metal. That's <laughs> uh, probably sarcastic. My husband probably changed that when he was really high. Oh, I wanted to believe it. <laughs> when he was really high. Probably. Oh, he changed it. Has he done that before? Um, probably, yeah. He probably does it all the time. I'm not sure. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, Dee Dee? Um, just a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for the gifts, and we're excited to play tonight. Why should people care about the Dum Dum Girls, Dee Dee? Why should people care? Um, I mean, if they enjoy the music and they enjoy what what words I'm putting out there, then, you know, that's great. I... I do this for myself, and I, I hope that people can find uh, something from, from what I'm putting out there, but, you know, I don't make any promises, really, but I think that, I think that uh, we have something fun and meaningful, and we like to go out and share it, so. Well, thanks so much for your time, Dee Dee of Dum Dum Girls. Keep on rocking in the free world, and do 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 <laughs> do do
you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and Nanardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, the Dumb Dumb Girls with Oh Mine M. And before that, an interview with Dee Dee from the Dumb Dumb Girls. Coming up, an interview with the Vaselines. And to prepare you for the Vaselines, but to ease you out of the Dum Dum Girls, we're going to play Yum Yum Tree, who is mentioned in the Dum Dum Girls interview, and then I'm going to play the Yummy Fur and their song Canadian Flag. So coming up, Yum Yum Tree with Waddle, then the Yummy Fur with Canadian Flag, and then an interview with the Vaselines on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show.
are you? We are the Vaselines. And who's in the Vaselines? Vaselines is myself, Eugene Kelly and myself, Francis McKee, and we've got Michael McGochran on drums, Paul Foley on guitar, and Gareth, Gareth Russell on bass. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Well, it's good to be here. Right off the bat, Vaselines, I have a Canadian connection for you. Uh-huh. That you're connected to. Do you? Yes, right here. We have the band. What can you tell the people about the Yummy Fur? Well, Yummy Fur are, I don't know, there any connection to Canada. Well, check out the cover. Well, that's, yeah, that's your flag. Well, we, know, uh, we know John here. and uh, The Yummy Fur from Scotland, and their singer is? It's John McEwen. Who went on to the band in the 1990s. Who? Our drummer Michael also plays in the 1990s. This is John, also known as Jackie. He looks really young there, doesn't he? What can you tell the people about Yummy Fur in the 1990s and your connection to them all? What can you tell about them? Um, not much. <laughs> I, I, I used to go and see them playing live a lot in Glasgow, and uh, well that's Paul there from Franz Ferdinand. But I used to go and see them, and also saw Alex from Franz Ferdinand. Uh, when he done a few gigs with them, I must have quite a lot of gigs, but I only saw one or two. And another Canadian connection, believe it or not, is Andrew Lug Oldham, ex-manager of the Rolling Stones, lived in Vancouver for a while, and he also produced The Poets. Fantastic. The legendary Scottish punk band, The Poets, from the 60s. Never heard of them. Never heard of them. They're good, yeah. I've only heard a few things, but they're pretty amazing. And also, the Vancouver Whitecaps Soccer Club had Pierce O'Leary play for them. Do you remember Pierce O'Leary? No, he passes by. No. <laughs> Never heard of him. Sorry. Why is there a connection between uh, Pierce O'Leary and us? Uh, well, no, this thing in between Scotland and Vancouver. Oh. All right, yeah, there's a big connection because a lot of Scottish people sailed to Canada when the 
clearances went on, so... <laughs> Francis, what was sex like in the 80s? Sex was pretty bad, actually. You were too young to really enjoy it and get too liberated about it, too uptight, too Catholic. There were some good sex noises on some of your songs, though, right? At the very end? Good at faking it. How were those created? Um, well, Francis, is, she had some jammy donuts. I had some jam donuts and got a bit high on the sugar rush. And, of course, it helped having Stephen Pastel in close proximity. That's always enough to take a lady into an orgasm just by his meagre presence. <laughs> Your brand new album was going to be called Kissing with a... K. Kissing with a K. So it was going to be fucking with an F. <laughs> but there was kissing with a K mention, wasn't there? There was a song called Kissing with a K, but we changed the title to Mouth to Mouth. I love K because it makes me think, and I have a gift for you, Vaselines. Right here, I have some buttons. Uh, K Records oh, okay. buttons, because kissing with a K makes me think of... Calvin Johnson. What can you tell the people about Calvin and Kay and what was he doing last night? Oh, well, we had group sex with Calvin last night. He had a pink shirt on and he was looking very dasher. Um, but Calvin is responsible for bringing Vaseline's to North America. And he turned on so many people to so many different bands. For instance, he did his distro. Like, if you check out this band, do you remember the Thanes from Scotland? Uh -huh. Oh, yeah, I'm sure I used to own a copy of this. Uh -huh. And turn it over, and what do we see in the very back? Distributed by... Hi. Olympia, Calvin K Records. K Records, thank you, Calvin, for turning me, Nardware Human Survey, onto the Thanes. What can you tell the people about the Thanes and Calvin's influence here? This is great. Well, they recorded in the same studio that we recorded Dum Dum. Sorry. Is it not? Yeah, um, produced, engineered by Jimmy Watson, who produced our, both our records and. Uh, uh, what was it? Recorded at Chamber, yeah, yeah, same studio, and also it was out in 53rd and 3rd, or, no, or was it? No, it wasn't 53rd and 3rd, but probably released by the same people, it was the same office, and uh, there was a connection between... Them, did we? Lenny, uh, quite a bit, and, uh, but they were, the records from Edinburgh were, had a connection with K Records, so that's how our records got to America, through K Records, and then that's how Kurt Cobain heard them. Kurt Cobain heard it on a radio show on Chaos Radio, which was Calvin's radio station, and I thought I would give you a button from Chaos Radio. Wow, thank you. We've got to give some props to Chaos, the radio station that Calvin was on, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. We didn't know the name of them, no. but um, I say you put them in, but I'll put them in my pocket and put them in my shirt later. <laughs> you guys have the Molly's Lips horn on with you on this tour, don't you? We have, yes, and we always have a special guest to blow the horn. And who's been tooting the horn? Uh, we've had Jeffrey Lewis and Jack Lewis, and uh, also you've had some of the Dum Dum Girls on stage. Usually we ask the, the, somebody from the support band to do it, or someone that we know. We had Stevie Jackson, he did it for us in Mexico. We may even ask him tonight if he comes along, we don't know, but the Dum Dum Girls are getting quite excited by it. So I thought there's a stipulation where you have to be nude. That usually is the case, but um, people haven't been adhering to that. Vaseline's, you hate the 80s, don't you? Yeah. So I have a gift for you, another gift for you, Vaseline. Oh, thank you. From a Scottish band that has been championing the Plimptons' double knot nostalgia. Oh, dear. Wow, that, is that nostalgia for the noughties? Exactly. Oh, dear. Now, they're from Glasgow, and they have a connection to Brendan... O'Hare? Brendan O'Hare. What can you tell the people Brendan O'Hare and the Vaseline's? I have no idea. Brendan's a well-known uh, homosexual. And he also did some BMX banditing, didn't he? Yeah, he played... Everyone well, was in the BMX bandits, except me. Yeah. <laughs> Brendan was a drummer in a teenage fan club, and he, uh, he, uh, he's not in a band anymore. 
The Plimptons played the 13-note club. Do you know the 13-note club? Ever heard of that one? Yeah, 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 yeah. They've played it 20 times. 20? That's oh, yeah. that's more than I did. Oh, dear? And, uh, yeah, it's not very nice in there. <laughs> that's my amazing. They'd like you to have this, though. From the Plimptons in Scotland to the Vaselines in Scotland via Minard Body Human Serviette. Thank you very much, Plimptons. What I was wondering, Vaselines, is you're a vegan, aren't you? Yes, mainly. Sometimes I have some fish, so fishy vegan. Now, what is the stuff you shouldn't eat in Scotland? For instance, is there the stoner kebab? Have you heard about this, the stoner kebab? Oh. It's like this deep-fried thing that's the most unhealthiest sausage deep-fried thing ever. The only sausage you should eat is the sausage that's on someone's body. <laughs> Baboon! <laughs> I love sausage. Well, how about for food? Sausage. <laughs> how about for food and the Vaselines? Like in Scotland, if I say, give me a fish supper, supper means something, doesn't it? Yeah, it means you get it with chips. So I love the way, like, supper equals chips. Yes, and I like chips. What about the B&S taco stand? Um, yeah. The Bell and Sebastian taco stand. I heard there might be a Bell and Sebastian taco. Did you hear about this? I, I heard about this. I don't think it's going to happen because everyone in Mexico got food poisoning from tacos. In Bell and Sebastian. Yeah, I think Stuart was quite keen on opening a taco shop a stand in in I Glasgow, but I think he's that'll be the last thing on his mind now when he's still sitting on the toilet like 10 days later. <laughs> How about Tom Shepard's trick shop? Oh yeah, we call it Tam Shepherds, and it's uh, yeah, it's the kind of place that I bought a wig out of a couple of years ago. I'm not wearing it now, but I bought a big black Cleopatra wig and a false witchy nose. Um, I know I didn't. I put it on, and people say, just said to me, "You just look exactly the same." <laughs> it's like the best trick shop in the world, or something. Allegedly, I haven't been in it for a long time. Like a hundred years, a hundred years. Oh, yeah, yeah. You should spend yeah, so pocket money in there. Yeah. No, Vaseline. What about Mr. Ben? Yeah, it's a second-hand clothes shop in Glasgow near Monorail, uh, which is Stephen Passel's record shop. And there's also a venue, Mono, too? Mono, yeah. But can I just say, I met the author who wrote Mr. Ben, whose second name is McKee, and I took his room in The Hague when we were doing Crossing the Border, and then I got to meet him, and we swapped. Oh, well, tell me more about Mr. Ben. I'm not too sure about the backstory on this. Yeah, well, I did. I said to him, tell me, what, where was Mr. Ben on drugs? And he went, absolutely. <laughs> Ben was a cartoon. There's a band called Tigers on Vaseline. Tigers on Vaseline. Yeah, David Bowie tribute band. So what has happened? The Vaseline's break up, and in all these years, are you getting confused with the David Bowie tribute band, or were you always a David Bowie tribute band? We're we're our own tribute band. Yeah. We're a tribute to ourselves and our pers pers Can't you say that word? Uh, tribute to our own uh, uh, music. Have you thought about jumping on stage with this tribute band? I've never heard of them, but um, if they're nice-looking, yeah, I'll go for it. No. There's a lot of nice-looking, kind people winding up here with the Vaselines, who are in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, speaking to me in Ardwar, Human Serviette. And one people, one group of people, I'd like to give you another gift, Vaselines, is this group of people right here, the fine people from Chemical Underground Records. What can you tell the people about that and your connection to that? Suckle! Oh yes, uh, my, uh, my, my band Suckle came out on Chemical Underground Records. My sister is married to Andrew who helps run Chemical Underground Records. So yeah, we have a very, very family link there. <laughs> the Delgados. Yeah, very good Scottish band. They split up a few years ago, but uh, they're not around anymore. Winding up here, lastly, if you could just help me tell me a bit more about some more bands from Scotland. The Kaisers. Are you guys into the Kaisers at all? I've seen them play live quite a few times. They're very good. Uh, they're one of my favourite bands because I love that sort of Kaiser Keller, you know, uh, beat 
music from the 60s that Crazy Beat sound. And uh, yeah, I see George walking about Glasgow quite a lot. He hasn't changed. He's got the same hairstyle and he wears these Buddy Holly spectacles. Were you keeping up on all these bands at all over the years? I don't know them, no. No. What can you tell Francis about the Kaisers? Any connections between Vaseline's and the Kaisers at all, Eugene? No, I don't think so. No, and only at the other, they play rock and roll. Speaking of rock and roll, tonight you're getting paid. Did you once get paid 12 quid and a hit of acid? Yes, that was our first, one of our first shows in the, um, in Bennett's. We got, I think it was 10 tabs of acid we got. Oh, it was only two. It was only two? Yeah, and uh, 12 pounds 50, and it was in a gay club called the, the Pink Swastika. Is it still there? No. No. I don't think so. Well, Bennett's, is that not still oh, there? Yeah, it, was yeah. still, it was a gay club called Bennett's, but the night was called Pink Swastika. And the poster was designed by Jim Lambie, who's now an internationally successful artist. You still had those same um, flyers, have you? Put it on eBay. <laughs> you guys have a song about a bike seat? Absolutely. My bike seat, Rory. The bike moved up and down, and it created quite a... Rides me raw? Mm-hmm. It was a great bike. I loved that bike. What type of seat was it? I'm just curious. It was b- kind of broken. That's the what was wrong with it, and it just moved about a, a little bit, and the, the bit at the front would, would angle up. Vaseline, did you ever see the Exploited at all when you are growing up? Like, Wadi from the Exploited, punk rock, Wadi. Uh, only on Top of the Pops. But they were Scottish, the Exploited. Yeah, but I was probably about 12 at the time, so... Well, how about Big John, the guitar tech that was later with Nirvana? Did you ever meet him? He was like exploited guy. I've seen him in Edinburgh, but I don't know him. And lastly, Vaseline's Eugene, did you ever receive this particular letter, if you could open it up here, from Kurt Cobain? This is Kurt Cobain's journals. Did you ever receive that particular letter? No. <laughs> no, I received a, a separate letter, but not this one. I think this is one that he didn't send. Yeah, what can you tell the people with this? What's going on with this letter right here, Eugene? Um, well, after they played in... We played a show with him in Edinburgh and I wrote to him asking for a copy of their uh, version of Molly's Lips. So he sent that to me, plus a letter, plus a picture, and that was it. But you never got the letter, though? I had to go buy this book to read this letter, because it's a different letter. So you didn't even get a free book out of the deal, then? No, I had to pay for it. But you finally got the letter, though? Yeah, go. I mean, it'd be cheaper putting it in the post, but I had to buy a book. Well, I gave you some buttons, but at least I don't have to give you the book then. No, no. <laughs> I was just having a wee-read there. So we put um, voyeuristic reading someone else's journals. I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't write a journal for that very reason. I wouldn't want anyone to, to read it. I think it's... Um, I feel a bit nasty that I started to read it there, actually. <laughs> Nirvana sings songs of Devo, Wipers, Vaseline's and Nirvana. Can you show the people what you're showing there, Eugene? It never made it to the shelves. So that's a proposed record then? Yeah. He nearly made it. Well, thanks so much, Vaseline. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Not really. <laughs> yeah, just uh, be good to your parents. Well, thanks so much, Vaseline. Keep on rocking in the free world and do, 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 do. Do, do.
The Vaseline's live in London with Molly's Lips. And before that, an interview with The Vaseline's. And now to end the Nardwarda Human Serviette radio show, here is The Thanes with All Find Out. Yeah. 